0: sure the Music Explorers
1: Podcast. All right, welcome to Say Shura, the Music Explorers Podcast. I'm Jim Jam. I'm Scoot McCoot. And uh, so we've got uh, an interesting episode today, but, uh, you know, we're just, let, let, let's just get right down to sort of the, the sad news at the beginning, um, I think is... I think anybody who listens to this would probably know this already, but uh, Neil Pert from Rush passed away this weekend, apparently, uh, due to complications from brain cancer, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, Scott, I mean, Scott was the one who informed me of this. Um, I I try to refrain from, you know, checking music news until, like, Sunday, usually. So, um, you know, when I and I when you sent this to me, I like stopped at my tracks and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah, it was just very unexpected. Um, You know, so I, 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 I think we, we both thought that this would be a good time to sort of discuss our relationship with Rush and just sort of, uh, you know, talk about that. Cause I, I, I think, you know, when it comes to the death of these musicians, I think it's, in a sense it's to be expected i mean a lot a lot of these classic rock musicians are are very old now you know they have basically worn themselves out from touring you know just physically and mentally Uh so you know i like i i think it's just you know it's a natural part of human life and i think i think it's best instead of um mourning i think it's best celebrated um just celebrating their life i guess yeah, so, exactly. And I think when it comes to musicians, you know, the way they touch our lives is through their music, obviously. So, um yeah, so let's just let's just talk about some Rush. Um Sky, I you were saying that uh you've, you you've been a Rush fan since like you were a kid, I
0: think. Yeah, I um my dad had a few anthologies which I listened to quite a bit. Um but what really got me into it into them was Russian Rio. Mm. It was a live DVD that they performed in Brazil. A lot of people love that DVD. And it was, you know, the whole show was great. I watched it, um, I don't know if I watched it in full several times, but, I, you know, I used to watch, you know, clips here and there, different different songs, obviously, you know, Tom Sawyer and uh, Free Will, Spirit of the Radio YYZ Yeah, Limelight, yeah, exactly so, you know, those kind of songs but there was one, and and the name escapes me but there was one track where it was just a Neil Peart drum solo and I used to watch that all the time because it just was incredible because when you think about it um, I would say I think there's a reason that drum solos aren't as common in rock music you know guitar you know we, we kind of people can wrap their heads around that more easily there's more that a guitarist can offer whereas drumming you know most drummers it kind of they run out of tricks relatively or at least you're not going to have a drum solo on every track um, for the most part, in rock music, it's just it's not going to have the same impact as the guitar because the guitar yeah. you can naturally you can cover a wider range. It just has that kind of sound that. Well, I, I mean,
1: it, it's also you know much more easily emotive. Uh, sure. You know, yeah, not, exactly. not to say percussion isn't, but it's it's it largely depends on the player and the genre. And I think with rock, it's like the drums seems to be sort of relegated to more timekeeping than anything else. Uh, which is, you know, a shame, but, you know, I, I think it's also just part of the genre because, you you know, then you have like jazz drummers who, you know, they, jazz drummers almost always have a solo in a track, uh, that they're on, you know, so it's a, and then we have people like, um, Chippendale from, uh, Lightning Bolt who just go fucking nuts no matter what they're playing. So
0: (laughs) yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, obviously a great example, you know, to add to that list is is Neil Peart, who who I think yeah. is is pretty uh, universally beloved, yeah, yeah. beloved and, and considered um, you know I one mean, of if not the greatest rock drummer. I, or, I, drummer I feel sh- like if I remember right,
1: Drummer Magazine I think gave him like best drummer of the year like like every year <laughs> for, for like yeah. the last twenty years or something stupid like that. Exactly, <laughs> which which uh, makes. Not a whole lot of sense, especially since Rush has been not active for, like, the past, like, almost decade now. Um, I think, because I, I think their last album was Clockwork Angels and I want to say, like, 2011, 2012. So, it's been a while. Um, yeah,
0: and I think that is why... I mean, it's shocking whenever, like, you know, this kind of pillar of, of popular music, or, you know, popular rock music... Uh, not that it you know not pop rock but you know what I mean like rock music that was popular mm. you know su- such an influential and you know well beloved figure because beyond just drumming he contributed to um, the lyrics oh and, yeah we, know, by extension the, the concepts and direction he, where he arguably was Rush be like he, he was well I, I so I
1: don't know if you know this but he was he wasn't actually an original founding member even yep yeah he, uh i think it was the second album that they put out fly by night um uh, mm-hmm. that was his first appearance on and it's just interesting how you know there's before neil pert and there's after and you can you can noticeably hear it in rush's music yeah um you know it, it to be very you know pert era rush you know which is most rush um you know is hasn't always been great but you know when it is great it is just so like amazing to listen to just yeah it's, all, it's like it's almost indescribable and yeah they pert's contributions to it are always just interesting on on many different levels i i know that he was actually the first person he, he he turned me on to ayn rand i think as well as as the bioshock video games did uh as which is i i know it's kind of a strange um thing to admit <laughs> but uh because um i think 2112 if i remember right was inspired by um ayn Rand's novella anthem but, oh yeah, that's that, interesting that, i can see something. that yeah but i mean he he ended up later actually like sort of regretting it and like kind of dismissing her um which you know we're, we're not going to get into philosophy here uh, but you know it, it's it kind of stuff because like you know no, no matter what you think of Ayn Rand, like it it you know, like her influence on something like twenty one twelve is, is very noticeable. You know? So it's just um kind of a shame. But I you know, I'm not gonna not gonna go further on this. This is more about him and sort of uh, Neil Peart and sort of his vision. Uh, you know, it's sort of interesting to see how far he would go with the concept too, mm-hmm. because um I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Clockwork Angels actually had a book uh, come out with it by uh, it was Neil Pert working with uh, I think it was Kevin J. Anderson, um, who's a pretty well known science fiction writer. I think if I remember right, he helped um, Frank Herbert's son finish the Dune series.
0: Oh, um, interesting.
1: Yeah, they, I I I believe that's right, but can't be totally sure. But so like you know he's like. It's 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 not like he's just like pooping out like the, these concepts, you know. He's he's really putting some time into him. Uh, yeah, it's just yeah. Uh, I I will say though that the they because I'm pretty sure that, that 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 solo in Russian Rio that that has the moment with the the drum riser that that's that like circles
0: around him, right? Yes, like it like yes. it moves. It's, I'm like okay. So, it really was a performance, <laughs> you know. He had so many different. Um, you know, percussive instruments, so many different uh, drum. You know, not just even yeah. beyond drums, like you know, so many different pieces you know, that were part of his. You know, his kit obviously was legendary, um, and then obviously the, the motion and the, I think there was pyrotechnics and whatnot. It just it mm. truly was a performance of epic uh, scale. Uh, I think just to expand on what I was talking about earlier, yeah. um, obviously Rush's music was I- I- exceptionally uh, influential to you know all manners of of prog rock and prog metal bands but i, I think you know obviously uh neil perk contributed that drumming wise but clearly alex Lifeson and Getty lee with uh, the, the vocals and the mm. synths bass you know guitar that obviously had a huge part of um that sound being as influential as it was but i think the concept and the idea you know not to get too heady but the idea of prog rock Neil Peart was so, you know, the, the, oh, multi, yeah. the long songs with multi-part suites, you know, along with bands like Yes, obviously. And, King uh, Crimson. Yeah, and King Crimson. Dan Floyd. <laughs> um, along with those bands. But I, I, I think that, I feel like, I don't want to say aggressive, but Rush just had so much, you know, a little bit more of a bite to their sound. It felt really? Like, I, I just, I, I feel like it was more, uh, you know, Yes is very much like the melodic symphonic prog. Yeah, uh, Pink it's Floyd. With like ELP. Pink Floyd yeah. was always, uh, you know, like the more psychedelic and King Crimson, you know, obviously the, we've, the recent band we, we've, or at least I've discovered through yeah. this podcast, you know, more on the avant-garde experimental side, maybe even more on the, you know, the jazz side. I feel like to me, Rush of like the famous prog rock bands was so much more of just a rock band and like proto-metal mm. to an extent. To me, like they just felt, Listening to it, and interesting as I... Because I I bought a number of Rush CDs this weekend, which, unfortunately, a lot of people have the same idea, so I didn't get all the ones I wanted, but I got (laughs) a significant number. What'd you end up getting? Uh, Let me pull it up as I continue, because I actually... I I wrote it down. Um, But... um, I, I just always felt like they... Had so much more drive and just so much more of, of a and, and I'm, I'm not saying this in, in like a positive or negative way but i think that's why you know i went to them for something different um than some of the other bands and you know, in in their ilk uh, so i got rush they self-titled yeah. progressive steel 2112 hemispheres permanent waves moving pictures and signals uh in know those a few, are all great know, Yeah, uh, I was hoping to get Fly By Night Because I think Fly By Night, you know, the title track is one of my favorite Rush songs Uh, Farewell to Kings is, you know, a celebrated album that I actually haven't spent that much time with So I wanted to use this as as an excuse to do that It's an underrated album, you know Closer
1: to the heart
0: And then Um, after that, I I think that after Signal's, you know, kind of mixed... uh, it's. I think it starts to get more into deeper cuts. I don't know if that's a fair. That's just. Oh no no, assessment. it
1: really it really does. Like people are really divisive on it. Like some people think like you know like roll the bones is like complete crap, and some people are like no, it's genius. But then you can't like apparently Getty Lee raps on it on some of it, which is something I I want to hear out of morbid curiosity.
0: I really <laughs> um, like Getty Lee, but I don't know if I want to hear that. I am being I, honest, I, I want to hear it. <laughs> So, <laughs> I mean, okay, I want to hear I, I I don't know if I want to listen to it repeatedly. I would be yeah. interested to hear it once. Uh, yeah, um, but yeah, so,
1: so like there are definitely a number of albums uh, after that, after Signals, that like Test for Echo is like universally hated, basically. Like, except that I, I have one friend uh, also named Scott who um, <laughs> loves Test for Echo, <laughs> which is the funniest thing. You <coughs> know, um, yeah, so it, it really, it all depends. Like people were. Um, I'm trying to remember oh they, I think what was what was it? I was thinking of Vapor Trails. People were really pissed about the mix of that. To mm-hmm. so the point that they ended up re- remixing it and like at the at like the beginning of the last decade. That's, that's uh you know, that's it's it's been a little divisive, but but then um, Clockwork
0: Angels, the the final album is pretty yeah, well regarded. I, I know, yeah, so. that one was pretty well uh, established. Um yeah. one other thing I think the only uh, you know, obviously, their legacy and Neil's part—you know, part of it—we could go on and on. Uh, mm. so, but so, something else. This is more of a somewhat of an aside. Is I feel like we have to add Rush more significantly to the conversation of bands that uh, Greta Van Fleet rips off. Because the more <laughs> I listened to older Rush, I was like, "Wow, this is there's a lot of this that I feel like." Um, what? Greta you, Van yeah, Fleet if, took if you from. listen
1: to the self-titled. Uh, Rush album,
0: list. yeah, especially the earlier yeah. ones. Um, I I totally it, it was it was crazy, and th- that is kind of a funny segue into uh, I, again. I think one of the things that uh, you can credit Rush with most is just like how you know not only just the music itself, but how much of a legacy that they've they've had, uh, how much influence, and again, just in my view, given um, uh, given. Just you know how I've always approached Rush, and then listening to other bands, especially modern prog, metal and rock bands. I just feel like perhaps more so than any of the big prog bands back in you know from their era that we've mentioned, Pink Floyd, King Crimson, what have you. They just had so much of an influence on the specific scenes that you know I, I listened to growing up, and, and mm. you know that just to hear how much they influenced bands, you know, and the fact that their career spanned so long. And the fact that, you know, obviously the latter half of their career wasn't um, as well regarded, but he had a really tragic um, period of his life. And I think it was the late 90s. I forget the exact year. I where think what, he, he lost his
1: wife to cancer. Uh, his sister
0: died. Excuse me. His daughter died in a car accident. And then his wife, uh, he said that she died of a broken heart, you know, less than a year later. You know, it was basically that she gave up. And I, I don't know yeah. the actual medical you know reasoning behind that i you know i don't think broken heart is an actual diagnosis but uh, essentially in after love that, it is scott in love <laughs> it is but yeah i mean he stepped away from the band after that because he was just you know like um fuck just, like I, I, need to, I need to process emotionally this. wrecked yeah yeah and so, the fact that he came back even for some albums that maybe aren't as well regarded as earlier stuff you know several years later and then they released uh some other albums uh, I haven't actually heard Clockwork Angels uh, but I have it, heard that it...
1: me either uh, I, you know I, I've always wanted like versus one of those bands I've always wanted to buy like their entire catalog from even yeah. though I know that there are some albums that are just not good like Cressus of Steel is I've I really disliked that album
0: <laughs> oh really I was
1: listening to that today actually and I, I, I uh, liked it I, maybe I should give it another try because I did not enjoy my time with Cress of Steel uh like, it, it, actually, me and uh, my my mentor, um, we we're, were both big Rush fans, and so we, we were talking about this one time because he was like, you know, like like have you listened to like of Steel? He's like, it's it, it's like them going way too far in the prog direction and
0: like just falling off the edge. <laughs> but interesting, yeah. I'll have to listen to it because yeah, I've been making my way through all the CDs I bought. Um, I'll have to listen listening to that one a little bit more closely because a, a lot of them I've, you know, you know obviously hemispheres I've heard, yeah, uh, you know several times movie pictures I've heard you know countless times. Oh, God, I love um, movie pictures. 20, obviously I <laughs> yeah. li- listened to. Actually, it's funny that I listened to that like immediately after finding out he died. I put that album on like like literally it didn't it almost felt automatic. It's always between those two, uh,
1: you know. I think they're they're like they're equally good. In their own ways, mm-hmm. uh, I would probably put on moving pictures more in the car, though. For some reason, yeah, like I, there's just so I, many, I always
0: have that, that that CD on in the car. There's so many um, highlight songs in that, whereas 2112 is you know just given the nature of how it's structured and whatnot it is oh, more of an album album. A, a uh, lot of people like the latter
1: half of twenty, like the the other tracks that make up like the second side. Oh, I I totally agree,
0: but you you know the entry point is this you know twenty minute behemoth. Yeah. Oh my it, god!
1: I so like <clears throat> I mean I I really haven't mentioned that that I I really didn't get into Rush until like I was like you know in my teens I guess mm-hmm. uh, because my dad was just not big on it uh i i don't think he likes giddy's Giddy Lee's voice which i i can understand oh uh, yeah um, i mean
0: i like it a lot but i can totally see that yeah, yeah.
1: um so you know i took i i didn't really get into it but um i ended up like so when i was moving back to new hampshire uh not too long ago on the way on the way home uh he had uh like one of those like radio like it was like like an xm type of radio station um and one of them just kept playing Rush, like, in between all these different hits. And he was getting, like, so annoyed. And then 2112 comes on, like, the entire 2112 suite. Oh, my god! And, and I just don't even mention it to him. I, I just see how long he can go because, like, I want to listen
0: to the whole thing. And, like, and was he like, what the hell? Like, was he so upset? Oh, yeah, well,
1: he looked at it he's like, a 24-minute Rush song? No, I'm not doing this. Like, it, it, was, <laughs> I, it really pissed me off because it was right at the temples of Syrinx uh part which is my favorite part of that entire album um just Getty Lee's voice and that just just makes it so awesome um yeah <laughs> that's awesome I, I i yeah i can't say enough good things honestly I, I i love that band so much and like like i've really gotten back into them as of late just like it, and i'm talking about like months and months ago just like for some reason there's just something in me that's just like i i need i need some rush
0: (laughs) yeah i'm you know know, obviously it's tough to have um it's it's tough it's tough that this is the reason why i'm you know diving you know kind of fulfilling what i you know have wanted to do a while specifically for rush but also you know what i mentioned
1: though to be fair i was an asshole and took your copy of 2112 that you were gonna buy okay uh, i wasn't
0: gonna bring that up but that's so I mean, <laughs> for, for those of you i don't think we've mentioned it before we, we probably have but 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 let's let's talk about it <laughs> i mentioned how i wanted to i was like you know what like i have really wanted to get into rush and i was like let me see if they have any cheap copies of, of like 2112 or whatever and then we happened to be i don't know if jimmy didn't hear me or whatever but he grabbed uh like maybe a four five dollar at most copy of 2112 i <laughs> was like oh sweet <laughs> Super cheap, and then he put it in his basket, and I was just like, uh, uh, "Oh, oh. It, I so
1: <laughs> the way <laughs> so I recall okay. this,
0: I, I I don't think I heard you." Uh, and I was also <laughs> looking for Rush, so you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing you do, and that's like it's funny because you know, obviously, you know, if I really wanted to find a copy, it would not have been that difficult. Um, yeah, to do. Uh, but it's just it was funny because i was like wow that that was pretty okay <laughs> that's a dick move <laughs> yeah, i was like that's the, like i think it was like very very soon after i said that you were like oh i'm gonna take this and i was like okay <laughs> um it, it, it's, okay. it's okay yeah it's fine <laughs> but yeah but all that to say you know and you know how i, I mentioned in our last episode that i really want to whittle down on my lazy list so this is uh you know a bittersweet way to get on that but I, I guess in in another light it's it's excellent to um you know it, it's a good way to honor his memory by listening to his work you yeah know, in a way exactly so so uh yeah so yeah, yeah rest in peace neil pert yes yes second that <clears throat> and um uh, so
1: now let's move on to the sort of the meat of today's episode if you will um we, so, on this podcast, we notably don't place a lot of emphasis on lyrical content. Um, and it's it's not that we're against it. It's just that I, I think, you know, I think you would agree with me, Scott, that, you know, the musical aspect of it uh, is, is the most important to us, sort of, what's being presented at the table. Yeah, and no. it's, it's not to say that there aren't genres that we like that utilize lyrics more. I mean, hip-hop's a big one. But I think... It's more that they contribute to an overall musical core, you yeah. know, and like an overall whole um, that we appreciate a little more than just lyrics. Uh, and I, I think also just, you know, I, I think for me, I, I, I think people tend to get a little caught up in lyrics, you know, just when a lot, you know, like there are some times that like, you, you know, like I, I feel like you could flip a coin when it comes to like a metal band who's actually serious about their lyrics in a way because mm-hmm. like like th- there are some who were like you know so far into it like know lit- liturgy <laughs> you know th- they're just like obsessed with it uh and sort of getting their concepts across whereas there are other people like you know like I- i'm thinking of like candle corps or like basically like any slam band out there who just like you yeah. know they- they- they're-, they're just like oh that
0: sounds gross Let- let's write about that <laughs> you know they, they just turn like d-list slasher movies into uh yeah or i know, mean like, like misfits is actually a
1: good example uh, yeah exactly uh, but uh it's funny i was actually thinking <laughs> about
0: talking about misfits today but um hmm. i guess just to cut in real quick when you know the way i would put it is uh um, yeah. you know uh, uh, albums that have phenomenal like great music can make up for bad lyrics yeah, but great lyrics can't make up for bad music. That that's kind of yeah. how I would put it. Like there's plenty of albums I listen to where you know, I love the music and either don't really care at all about the lyrics. Don't even really know what the lyrics say. It's especially true for metal cuz you know, it's typically difficult to yeah, parse out all the lyrics. Um but I really can't think of and there are some hip-hop albums where I like the beat, I like the flow, don't love the lyrics. That's not as common just because that's not the way I consume hip-hop. But there's yeah. very, very rarely where the lyrics are... Like, like there's a hip-hop album where the lyrics are phenomenal, but the beats are just awful or really boring. You know, I'm not going to stick around for that. Like, I I think of someone yeah. like... Uh, uh, a good example is Joey Badass. Like, you know, maybe, maybe that's not the best example. But... Oh, I would say Immortal Technique. Like, I think Immortal Technique is a really, really great rapper. And he's obviously very intelligent, very smart. You know, raps about political issues with obviously a lot of consciousness but i think his beats are always very there's a difference between lo-fi and just like low budget if if you know what i mean and it's just his beats are not very good and it's just not well produced and that's why i've never gotten into him even as i found his lyrics interesting but even like a rapper like joey badass where it's just it's all about spitting it's all about like rhyme after rhyme after rhyme and the beats are just kind of okay so i
1: i i think we're sort of um Confu- uh, conflating two things because I think there's technique and then there's lyrical content um, and I, I, I think we're... I, I, I thought that the focus of this was more on lyrical content, but I, I, I
0: totally understand what you're saying and I Oh I Oh no, totally no agree, I, so. I mean, that's what I was saying. I think that the you know, hip-hop's an easy example because hip-hop it, it has the most distinct line between lyrics and music you know yeah. it's just there, there is a rapper saying lyrics there is music playing in the background yeah and they're um, saying it in a very uh, musical way so yeah exactly there are some uh, i mean other genres it's not as uh you know there are other like indie rock bands or whatever for example where you know their lyrics are kind of whatever or just like lovesick and boring but the music's interesting but the yeah. rappers i mentioned i think like content wise their music the lyrics are interesting. It's not just how they deliver them. Like I think, oh, all yeah. those are cool lyrics. Music's kind of meh. But the lyrics we picked today, you know, what Jimmy was yeah. so getting up to, we, is we, we 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 sort of yeah, like, <laughs> we, we we sort of got
1: past. We we sort of sidetracked, uh, really fast. But really, uh, we sidetracked. No, we never. Yeah, I know that. us. Uh, I we thought it would be a really cool episode. Just talk about some of our favorite lyrics and sort of give yeah. this part of uh you know one of our favorite mediums of art you know, sort of uh, a time in the spotlight. So, you know, and I, you know, for me, I had trouble picking these because I have a lot of favorite lyrics. So I just kind yeah, of did same. five of them. Like, I, I just, I couldn't pick five. So, so we'll probably end up doing a sequel to this uh, sometime later. Uh, but I figure we're just going to go, uh, we've each picked five, we're just going to go back and forth uh, with them and, um, you know, just kind of extrapolate uh and see where it takes us so scott you you want to uh, start us off
0: yeah and i was i was pretty much along the same lines where there are a lot of lyrics i like you know some individual uh lines or, or refrains oh, versus like full yeah we, we should probably mention that today but we're, we're mostly
1: talking about certain sections of the song Though we could probably talk about the whole song and we, we probably mean the whole song i think when we talk yeah. about yeah yeah but the... But what, it, 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 just for sake of time, we're, we're just yeah. talking about certain sections.
0: So, and and, and that's what I meant uh, is that, uh, you know, just there are so many segments that I like overall the music I listen to that I tried to pick music that not only do I love the lyrics, but there's kind of a larger reason why these are some of my favorite lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one uh, is by Converge. It's the song "Glacial Pace" off of "All We Love We Leave Behind," and I picked this song in particular because not only do I, I think these are some of the best lyrics, you know, I think Jacob Bannett is a fantastic lyricist. Mm, um, he really is. Well, well, well,
1: when you can understand what he's saying.
0: But... Yeah. But I mean when you read into it. Yeah. Well, um, well, when you read the liner notes, they're like fucking brilliant. So Exactly. Yeah. Um, and these, these are, this might be my favorite <clears throat> of his lyrics that he's written. But specifically, this is when I first started dating Lauren uh, she was trying to understand why I liked metal and just kind of at least appreciate why I, I, I love metal so much. And she was reading the lyrics and she didn't quite get why, you know, he had to yell them. <laughs> but she said that she, it kind of helped her to understand the artistry a bit more. The fact that there is thought behind these lyrics. Mm. Um, so just to read through quickly, you know, my love wrap your hands around my heart, free me from the frost that enveloped my life. My love, reach out your arms and pull me close. Let us tread in silence as their world drowns beneath. If being alive is just to survive, I choose to drown in the turbulent seas. If being alive is just to survive. A glacial pace comes to an end. It brings on the floods that are the truest of tests. A glacial pace comes to an end. Let our love guide us through the torrents ahead. Don't give up on me." Just just really, um, I think that's something that defines Converge's lyrics uh, a lot. You know, through throughout all of their albums, uh, yeah, like, like kind like of all relationships. their relationships is is this idea of I think it's kind of like light battling with darkness. Like in those lyrics, you have you know their struggles. You know, like I'd rather give up than, um, you know. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, I, I'd rather... To, to, know, d- give to up quote gi- Incubus, but... <laughs> yeah. I'd rather give up than just, you know, live to live. Like, I want to live for a purpose. I want to I live to love you. I want to live to, you know, be mm-hmm. with you. And, you know, I think that we can together weather the storm, weather... And I love the consistent... Um, kind of the overall imagery I-, I get is that, you know, life yeah. goes by at a glacial pace. And then he takes that... And kind of goes you get like a really cold vibe because there's a lot of images of water and sea and storms but obviously having the glacial there it's kind of a cold you know kind of the cold reality of life so I feel like there's a lot of depth here in lyrics they're pretty simple pretty direct but really beautifully written and just yeah and I love the underlying message there so I think that that was a pretty easy pick just yeah, cause of, I, uh, sorry that you you go ahead no, it's a pretty easy pick because of mm-hmm. just the context of, of how I kind of came to love it and just, you know, the content itself. Mm. Um, I I can totally see that. I mean,
1: I'm looking at these right now. Um, I really love sort of the imagery and sort of the way he writes it because I think, you know, a, a love song is like a dime a dozen nowadays, not not to be mm-hmm. completely cynical, but, you know, and so it, you you need a singular voice to be able to get that across. And, you know, yeah. Bannon really does that here, so... Um. Yeah, I, I I really need to buy All We Love We Leave Behind. I I, I love that album. I just, I just have not been able to find a cheap copy of it.
0: So. Yeah, I pre-ordered the. You know when he did a, a a specific art piece for each track. I, oh, I pre- right, pre-ordered right. that that special CD copy. Yeah.
1: I, I I I'm really jealous of you actually for that because I I love that little booklet. I think that thing is
0: so cool. It's super cool. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was one of one of my favorite. I don't really pre-order stuff often, but I, when I saw that, I was like, "I gotta have it," and I'm really glad I did. Yeah, it's it's easily like like one of the
1: crown jewels of like of like your collection. So yeah. Um. So my, um, I, I sort of ordered mine from like longest to shortest because I I only quote I actually only quote one line at for my final, um, pick. Mm-hmm. But um, so, so th- this one is uh, Passion Dale" <laughs> by uh, Iron Maiden. So. Uh, I'm just going to read through it first, and then I'll sort of talk and sort of expand upon a little bit. But uh, in a foreign field he lay, lonely soldier, unknown grave. On his dying words he prays, tell the world of Passchendaele. Relive all that he's been through, last communion of his soul. Rust your bullets with his tears, let me tell you about his years. Laying low in a blood-filled trench, killing time till my very own death. On my face I can feel the falling rain, never see my friends again in the smoke in the mud and lead smell the fear in the feeling of dread soon be time to go over the wall rapid fire and the end of us all whistle shouts and more gunfire lifeless bodies hanged on by wire battlefield nothing but a bloody tomb be reunited with my dead friends soon many soldiers 18 years drown in mud no more tears surely a war no one can win killing time about to begin um not not, not a very happy statement yeah uh, <laughs> uh so this is actually about uh the battle of passiondale which I, I think is called the battle of ypres if i remember right like the third battle of ypres uh which was a significant battle for world war one mm-hmm. um and so personally like i i've always been this is this is a little strange but I, so i've always been fascinated by by some wars uh specifically vietnam and uh world war one mm-hmm. uh just in sort of how gruesome they were and sort of how that gruesomeness uh sort of affected like the artistic zeitgeist at the time. Um and so I actually started getting into the whole album that this uh track is on, which was um I think it was Dance of the Dead, uh, which is not remembered fondly um by a lot of Iron Maiden fans, but I I think it's a really great album. Uh, but this specific track, I was really listening to a lot as I was taking a uh, class on modern British literature, uh, which they, there was sort of like a mini unit on the World War One poets. So like Wilfred Owen, um, I want to say, uh, I can't remember his name, but, um, Wilfred Owen is probably the big one. Um, and just, you know, seeing these people's depiction of war and you know th- this was something at the time that was just so unheard of of just you know just this type of battle that like you know it, it felt like before this war had some sort of honor to it uh, which you know I, I think is a lie but um, you know just I, there was such a shift with with World War one and just I, I love how Bruce Dickinson, sort of describes all this that he just he gets right in the dirt and i mean that like very literally here because you know he just he talks about just how muddy it all is because you're just hanging in a trench and you don't know when a german's going to be right over the wall shooting at you or not and it's you know it's yeah it's just a very powerful sentiment uh to me and it's you know something that i just you know think about a lot i i guess uh or this this particular song
0: um yeah. So, no, that's this. This is a really awesome uh, lyric to pick because was Iron Maiden, they, they have been so good over their career mm. um, painting pictures but, like most that. Most of the time. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you know, every band has duds here and there. Yeah. But I, I think what's most uh, interesting to me in, in reading this is that even just you reading it kind of, uh, I don't want to say deadpan, but just kind of like reading it straight. Yeah. Um, I just immediately just, or, uh, man, I have trouble finding the word today, but yeah, just kind yeah. of like involuntarily just heard it in like Bruce Tickets like Yeah. That, it just, it automatically came with like that epic delivery in I, my head. I know. I was, <clears throat> I was, I don't know if you could hear it while I was reciting
1: it, but there are parts of it that I almost want to just be like, Langlow in a blood filled trench, exactly. killing time till my very own death. Yeah. Exactly. Just, oh my God. Yeah.
0: It, he is, yeah. He is a treasure. So, <laughs> no, great pick, dude. Yeah, thank um, you, man. Yeah. So I, I guess we're we're gonna start off on a on a a very metallic note because my next pick is and this was probably the first one I thought of. When I, thought of this. <laughs> I I'm so glad you include this one. Yeah, because so. it's just it, it's become a bit of a meme at this point. But I, I think yeah. that the these lyrics and in the in the the track that they're in, it's just it's and especially the way that it you know he wrote uh, george clark the lead singer of of deaf heaven and this is dream house off of sunbather by deaf heaven how it came to be is just really fascinating kind of reinforces the point of the song so obviously you know i'll get to the line everyone knows if you have followed modern metal but yeah two of my favorite short passages uh hindered by sober restlessness submitting to the amber crutch the theme in my aching prose you know obviously talking about his addiction to or you know dependency on whiskey um, and then that pour of a bitter red being that escapes a thin frame, a bitter red being the rebirth of mutual love, you know, the idea that, you know, wine, again, alcoholism, how he kind of comes to, uh, write thing, you know, write his lyrics and just how he has inspiration. He just kind of is grappling with alcoholism, I, I think in, in a pretty beautiful, a little bit, um, of a verbose and, uh. A little bit over the top. Yeah, I mean, aching a-
1: prose is a very over the top line, but I yes. I, I like it though. So <laughs> yeah,
0: but then of course we get to the line, the refrain everyone knows, and it's after this huge crescendo at the end of the song. You know, I'm dying. Is it blissful? It's like a dream. I want to dream. Um, and, and this structure is a conversation, which you know, this is what Clark George Clark, the, le- the lead singer lyricist of deaf feminist said. Is that this is an actual text conversation? You know, it was a night after he just got absolutely blitzed. He texted one of his friends, and that this is the con- when he woke up and looked at his phone. This was the exact text conversation they had, um, with you know with someone, and it kind of reinforces. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just say that
1: that's just really interesting. Like you don't see that a whole lot. Like the uh, it, immediately, my mind jumps to. There's a song by Billy Joel called. Um, tomorrow is today mm-hmm. and its origin was actually as billy Joel's suicide note uh when he attempted suicide early early on in his career so um yeah
0: yeah and i think that um i totally i mean i see knowing george clock he, he exists in these he probably is part of you know circles of friends that talk like this you know they, they <laughs> th- their, their idea of a fun time is getting around to read like Poetry, po. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and like drink wine. Uh, but I, I just think that th- th- there's just something morbidly beautiful about this yeah. this line, you know, that just kind of, um, I don't know, just uh, there's just kind of, you know, wanting to uh, succumb, and I think there's some beauty to that, and just kind of like wanting to escape reality and there's obviously some darkness to that, is that you know, ultimately, you know, how some people might choose to escape reality permanently. But I think it's it's presented in a way where it's just, um, it's kind of that drunken euphoria where you're at such a low point, but you're mentally at such a high, if that makes sense. Like yeah. you're, you're, you're drunk and, and you know incoherent and belligerent and, and moving around and you might have gotten drunk because of hard times in your life. Um, but on the same token, you are, you know, in the moment, you're just on cloud nine, like, you know, out of, of, you know, blitzed out of your mind. And I think there's just kind of a perverse and and interesting beauty and an interesting dynamic to that. And I just, the way that it's delivered, and I know this is a lyric, you know, lyric episode, but uh, the way it's delivered along with the music is just, uh, you know, when I first heard this song, I knew that this album was gonna be special. Um, Just, I knew, and, and lo and behold, it became one of, probably, one of the most critically successful, if not the most critically successful metal album, at least in the way that music is currently... Yeah, um, being consumed. Yeah, consumed, and, uh, you know, obviously we can go back to any number of classic metal albums that are, you know, more famous, but in terms of our modern indie blogosphere, it's easily the the most well-celebrated metal album ever. Oh yeah, definitely definitely
1: hey I, I just think of uh you you and lauren texting this to
0: each other so we do yeah whenever because uh, i remember the first time when she said like oh i'm dying like it was like dying of heat or thirst or whatever i said is it blissful and she was like what <laughs> <laughs> like, the first time she was like I, I don't i don't know what that i don't get that reference um so it was it was uh <laughs> it's now. It's kind of an inside joke between us. Yeah, uh, which I I love that.
1: I love little inside jokes. Yeah. Uh, so, my next one is "I uh, uh, Move On Up" by uh, Curtis Mayfield. Uh, so I'm just again, I'm just gonna read it and then I'll talk about it. So, so hush now, child, and don't you cry. Your folks might understand you by and by. Move on up and keep on wishing. Remember, your dream is your only scheme. So keep on pushing. Take nothing less than the supreme best. Do not obey the rumors. Rumors people say because you can pass the test. Just move on up to a greater day. With just a little faith, if you put your mind to it, you can surely do it. uh You know, this is a little maybe compared to the last couple lyrics. This is a little saccharin. Uh, but this this track is always meant a lot to me since i first heard it and uh i think last year uh yeah it was actually yeah basically a year ago now um i think it was yeah so it must have been october yeah it was like october of 2018 uh i was in my second year of graduate school and just probably the most depressed i had been in my life up to that point um and this song for some reason just really comforted me um, I think just specifically the line, like, your folks might understand you by and by. Just that idea that, like, you know, uh, I mean, it, it's pr- pretty teenage angsty, but, like, that, you know, it's it's tough to be understood sometimes. Um, but just, like, I, I think also just that there's sort of this dream at the end of, you know, the, 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 there's this thing that's guiding you that, you know, you just got to keep with it. And for me, you know, that was why I was in grad school to write, you know. Uh, But even then I felt like, you know, it was just like kind of all hopeless. And, uh, but this was a song that like, I I mean, I would would walk to class and Mm -hmm. listen to this song like two or three times before I would get to my class. Uh, And I would just, I I know every single bit of this song now. Um, So, yeah, it was just really powerful song for me i think also um you know for a lot of curtis mayfield's music it it was you know all about you know the black experience and sort of uh you know sort of a a more 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 of a political bent to any to more of it um Mm -hmm. you know and i i think part of the reason i always loved this song in particular i mean you can say it's about almost any any track off of his self-titled debut um but just that like the way he writes lyrics it doesn't always feel aimed specifically at the black community. It feels like it there's, it just feels like there's a much wider scope to his vision that, you know, he cares about everybody being able to live happily. And, uh, you know, if you look into Curtis Mayfield's life, he just had a really, really amazing life. Just, I mean, filled with just tragedy, but, you know, just, just, able to just keep moving on like i don't know if you know about this that he um some stage equipment ended up falling on him uh oh, in his geez. later career yeah and so he was paralyzed from like the neck down um just entire for the rest of his life and he i, I if i remember it right, he's still toured. jeez with the, yeah <clears throat> uh so it's just like yeah you, you, you gotta gotta give it up to to someone like that and just yeah so this is this is sort of like one of like my happy songs so um
0: yeah <laughs> yeah and, and i think that that's and frankly when people say favorite lyrics or when they listen to music you know specifically for the lyrics it's often for purposes like that so i, yeah. I think that that is a really important part. and there's any number of lyrics i could have included uh like that where it's just i listen to it and it, it you know makes me feel good i considered Simon and Garfunkel, Bridge Over Troubled Water, you know, mm. that, that's kind of along the I, same lines for me.
1: I, I, I thought about, uh because for a happy song, uh, You Are the Sunshine of My Life by Stevie Wonder. Like, the, I yeah. love that song so much. But I, I think it's also, uh before we just move on to that, I mean, I, you can say this about every single track here. It, it's about the delivery as much as mm-hmm. it's about the content. Uh, Because I think the, the way that song is written and just sort of the horns in it are, are just very, like, they really resonate with me.
0: For reasons I really can't explain. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because obviously, you know, while this again, while this is about um, lyrics, I mean, it's it's also about how the, the the vessel in which the you know the song that delivers those lyrics. Um, so I totally understand mm-hmm. how that that can complement what you know he's saying in the song. Yeah. Um, so speaking of Saccharin, uh, <laughs> my next one is very much in that category, and this one. Uh, this is the first album, first music, really, that um, Lauren, my fiancé, and I bonded over. It's Father John Misty, uh, I Love You, Honey Bear. Uh, I included two s- lyrics and two songs here because I wanted to wait and decide which one I was going to pick. But I, I, uh, the first one... Do do both if you want. It's, it's cool. So. Uh, no, because I, I, I think um, the first one really is the one that uh, represents the album for me. Because the whole song... It's a love album, as you probably could guess from the name. I love You Honey no. Bear, and it's just his kind of sarcastic, snarky take on lyrics, but all framed in different, uh, different flavors of love songs, both musically and, and lyrically. Some of it is like a little, um, I don't want to say nasty, but a little bit like kind of poking fun at his now wife. Others like really sad. Others, you know, just a love song too. Her others about things they did together as a couple, but this one line from uh, Chateau Lobby Number Four, uh, in C for Two Virgins, uh, again kind of quirky titles. It's very much like, oh, I, I just got that joke too. Yeah, uh, like you know in C, like the yeah you know, yeah yeah. But uh, this is uh, at the end of you know before this like a trumpet break. It's near the end of the song, and it's kind of the big client, you know, the swell of the song. Um, and it's first time you let me stay the night, despite your own rules. You took off early to go cheat your way through film school. You left a note in your perfect script. Stay as long as you want, and I haven't left your bed since. You know, just really, really. It's it's funny. It's cute. It's mm. obviously romantic. Uh, it's just it kind of. It's a good summary of the album for me. Is that you know they just they have a fun they're 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 interesting quirky people like very eccentric in their personalities and they kind of finally meet uh and you know just haven't haven't left since you know like found the right one and the, the rest of the lyrics kind of talk about um you know how it, it's it's framing like you know quote unquote losing your virginity as like i've you know he's talking about how like he's never been in a relationship before so he's like you know like i haven't done this you know baby be gentle it's my first time but like he's talking about like being in love and being in a relationship mm. so kind of like subverting that idea um and yeah just that that you know line in particular is just and again it's when it bleeds or it kind of goes right into that really big you know saccharin um trumpet line that you know it's just such a great part such a highlight in the album mm. yeah <laughs> i really
1: I, I like how it's you know again like it's not uh, it's not like "Babe, I love you" and I've always loved you. It's it it like it really like it's sort of okay. As a writer, I hate this phrase, but it's very show don't tell. Uh, mm-hmm. What Father John Misty does here, um, that like he he really puts you in the moment instead of just kind of waxes poetical with like just you know boring abstractions. So
0: yeah, absolutely. I think that that perfectly. Um, kind of summarizes what I love about this album so much, yeah. And so, and that that line in particular, yeah. It, it's funny because uh, you know, speaking of of writing stuff,
1: uh, this next song, which is uh, "Papa Won't Leave You," Henry by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, which is uh, the first track off of uh, their album "Henry's Dream." Uh, I'll explain after I do this. So. I went out walking the other day, the heat hung wet around my neck, my head it rung with screams and groans from the night I spent amongst her bones, and I passed beside the mission house where that maddled buzzard the reverend shrieked and flapped about life after you're dead. Well, I thought about my friend Michelle, how they rolled him in linoleum, and they shot him in the neck, a bloody halo like a think-bubble circling his head, and I bellowed at, the, bellowed at the firmament, looks like the rains are here to stay. And the rain pissed down upon me and washed me all away. Um, as... So, I only recently got into The Cave in the past. It was actually during when I was in grad school. Um I can't remember how, but I listened... I, I think it was uh, Le- Lovin' was like the first time I listened to from... No, no. It was um Murder Ballads that got me into them. But um, I would play this song all the time just for this opening verse. Because... um just sort of the, the way Nick Cave is able to write these lyrics just really resonated with me as as a writer and just sort of the way he's able to describe certain things with very minimal wordage like he, it's it's not like he needs to spend a page describing the nape of someone's neck like uh, fucking um oh god what's his name uh you know remember it's dr- of things about Proust thank you yeah um you know so, like, I, the line I always go to is um, where that maddled, I, and I pass beside the mission house where that maddled buzzard the Reverend shrieked and flapped about life after you're dead. Like, I, I love how, how he's uh-huh. able to include that imagery that, like, you know, he only describes the Reverend with three words. And, I mean, they're all related, but you get a very good idea about what this person is like. Yeah. Uh, not, not only, you know, uh, personality-wise, but maybe even physically. Like uh-huh. I always pictured the vulture actually from the old Spider-Man uh, comics. So kind of yeah. just, just like bald head, beaked nose. Uh, uh, but, you know, just things like, and then uh, finally the, the track, uh, the, the, the lyric, uh, the rain pissed down upon me. Like I, uh-huh. I just really like, again, like I, I love how he's able to describe things like that. Uh It is something that I'm trying to do in my own writing. Uh, and it's, very tough um mm-hmm. just because you know you, you it's it's not exactly something that comes immediately out it's something that you sort of need to like fiddle around with a little bit and just make sure you've got it just right um like i know like michael chabon uh you know is known for like his metaphorical language a lot and you know he takes a lot of time i feel like with his books as well so
0: um yeah <laughs> yeah and you know there are some great, um, you know, as they say, you hear the phrase, a $2 word. Yeah. Yeah, there's some great $2 words in here. But it's something that I think is even more interesting is that just the word choice throughout is fantastic. Yeah. like, like I it, think that, that's what stuck out to me is that every word, it just adds so much to each sentence. You know, each part of the of the verse... Uh, you know, you give a great example on how we describe the reverend, but it, he's very judicious with how he says things, and he, he uses the exact right number of words and the exact specific words in general, to get, because just reading this you have such a great visual of the scene. Mm. Uh, this is really, really, really good passage. I'm, I really, I, I kind of want to this was a book I'd want to read more. Like, I, oh yeah. I, I, I want to hear it's, more about
1: this story. His his lyricism is insane, and like in this song in particular, it's he winds this whole story, where like I, the character like goes to a bar and like, I think he like kills somebody. If I, I mean, it's it's a Nick Cave song, so you know. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, yeah I, I, and you mentioned $2 words. I think it's really cool that he doesn't use a whole lot of them. Yeah, but uh, and, yeah, when he, he does, they
0: really punctuate. Yeah,
1: exactly. But, but he's able to get a lot of, uh, just a lot of mileage out of very easy words, uh, which I think is really important, you know, because I, I think a lot of people rely on like, you know, sometimes like adverbs to sort of describe a situation or they rely on, you know, something very flowery. When it, those things can both work, but you can also be very simple and still be very complex through that. So,
0: you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, my next pick is both very much in line with um, the lyrics you just read in terms of painting a picture and very much the opposite of the lovey-dovey lyrics I read (laughs) earlier. So this is the title track from the album Tallahassee by the Mountain Goats. Uh, my love of the mountain goats is new but profound. Uh, ever since <laughs> I, I bought the sunset tree just on a whim, I just have been obsessed with uh, John Darniel and, and the mountain goats, and specifically Darniel's approach to lyricism. is just it, he is such a great storyteller and it feels so genuine. Like he's just a, like a, a dude telling you a story in like a funny, interesting way. Mm. But it's just so, uh, especially in Tallahassee, it's just the. The way that he says things um, it, it feels real it feels like he is speaking as the character in this case it is uh, the whole album is about a, a couple that moves to a plantation house in Tallahassee in an effort to resurrect their marriage and get a fresh start but ultimately their marriage spirals and they they themselves spiral into alcoholism uh, you know it's a very very sad story but the, the way he tells it is so um, compelling and you want to hear you know, how, how, you know, how this is going to turn out, even though you, you kind of get a pretty good picture from the beginning. Mm. That's why I, I picked the title track, which is the first track, because it just it perfectly summarizes um, you know how this, how this is going to go down. So, window facing an ill-kept front yard, plums in the tree heavy with nectar, prayers to summon the destroying angel, moon stuttering in the sky like film stuck in a projector, twin prop airplanes passing loudly overhead, road to the airport, two lanes clear, half the whole town gone for the summer, terrible silence coming down here. Uh, There is no deadline, there is no schedule, there is no plan we can fall back on, the road this far can't be retraced, there is no punchline anybody can tack on, there are loose ends by the score, what did I come down here for? And just very much, you know, the first two segments, you know, painting a picture of where they've moved, you know, this really arid, but kind of beautiful southern town, you know, the, the. tourists are gone obviously the summer Tallahassee is super hot but then the last part really talking turning their immediately to their relationship and that you know we came down here to solve our marriage but there's really no plan you know we just basically it's it's kind of like you know the the underwear knowns from South Park uh, you yeah, know yeah, like step one just, steal underwear, underwear step two shrug step three yeah. profit yeah. It's kind of like you know we're going to and i feel like this is so <laughs> relate you know that's a pretty pretty <laughs> Good reference uh, yeah exactly but uh, i feel like this is um uh it's just it, it's 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 kind of relatable to how a lot of marriages end is or kind of the, the beginning of the end for a lot of marriages is they just a last-ditch effort. Let's try to do something that'll fix our marriage and then it just doesn't work and it's like, okay, what, we, you know, what are we doing here? Like, mm. why did we uproot our lives just to come here and basically end our marriage? So, um, yeah, I, I I really like how
1: he comes in with this line, prayers to summon the destroying angel. Like, it just, it feels so out of place with everything else in lyric. And like, I, I, I love that. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's just like a, it, it it it's it's like someone prodding the uh the like the the, the cling, like you know the the plastic on like you know a thing that you buy at the grocery store and it, until it like they put a hole in it <laughs> you know it's yeah. just like i'd like i i just like how that looks in
0: like within the whole like stanza so yeah exactly and and i, I think what i love um especially is how i mean the first two stanzas you you, you it, there's a little bit of a a, a negative or at least a snarky tone, but you're like, okay, like they're moving somewhere where you know it's it, you know, because if you approach the album, you, you probably know what it's about, but then immediately, once it gets to the second, you know, like the third stanza, you're like, okay, this is this is not going well, <laughs> like it just it goes from like there's some promise to like, okay, what how's this gonna go, or like you know, how quickly is this gonna unravel? So, mm. um, yeah, just really, you know, there are no shortage of break. Uh, the song No Children is just like a, a scathing takedown. Of his wife and I don't think this is like an, a real story uh, I think it might be based on like some of his experiences but the song no children is probably my favorite on the album it's just a scaling takedown of his wife and his marriage but I think this one is just a, a great a better kind of the best portrait on the album of mm. what you know what's going on so nice
1: yeah nice. So, um, I actually, you know, like I said, mine mine get shorter as they go on. So, um, this is just a little section from Idiotech by uh, Radiohead. Um, who's in a bunker? Who's in a bunker? Women and children first, and the children first, and the children. I'll laugh until my head comes off. I'll swallow till I burst. And then the chorus is, you know, here I'm allowed everything all the time. Um, similar to your love for the Mountain Goats, my my love for Radiohead has, has been very new, but this song i've been listening to this song almost non-stop for like the past two months <laughs> um like i it is it's, it's it's a lot of it is because of just you know the how the song sounds it's just a very strange surreal song but the lyrics are what kept me there because tom york like just so I, I don't know I guess where it's the 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 line I laugh I laugh until my head comes off. Uh-huh. Normally, like you you think of that as just a very you know colloquial like you know turn of phrase, um, but within the context of the rest of the lyrics here, it takes on like just this very dark turn. Yeah, just like you know who's in a bunker who's in a bunker and you know just he's painting this portrait of you know i i think it's it's sort of debatable what this song is exactly about i've sort of taken it as like describing like this post-apocalyptic scenario like almost like a fallout sort of uh scenario where like somebody's they're down in like these vaults but instead of like everything being orderly it's just complete chaos with people just you know just rampant hedonism and things like that Mm -hmm. um which you know again goes i'll laugh until my head comes off i'll swallow till i burst and you know, finally hear them aloud everything all of the time like i i just i love these lyrics like they, they and but but not like because they make me feel good like it's it's a creepy it's a creepy song like it, these are creepy lyrics i i just i like how he's able to conjure up that feeling with just these words and sort of in the delivery just like you know it, it isn't like you know he finishes the line like and the children like that's just the way it ends like you know like he he does that a couple times throughout the track too um and th- this actually the the chorus uh actually inspired a short story that i wrote um it, it just yeah so um yeah i i really i i love the lyrics in this song even though they're very like uh, I mean, you can say this about most Kid a lyrics because of just I, I think he, of the way he was writing them, but they're all just so chopped and screwed, kind of uh-huh. that they they give off like this really just weird vibe. Like I mean, you know, everything is right place. You know, you can just I woke yeah. up today sucking on a lemon. You know, there are two colors <laughs> in my head. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I love the
0: song. So. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I I actually have not dug. Uh, too far in a rear... I mean, obviously, when I hear them, I, I like them. I don't know if I can name a specific Radiohead, you know, lyric. But mm. listening to this, I feel like I should change that because this is this really does paint a picture. And it, it, like you said, it, it's a bit of a a dark picture. But I really I like it. It's kind of that's the test of a good lyric. It's it's kind of going along the lines of what I said about the Nick Cave segment you you picked out. Is I want to learn more. You know, I want to I want to read more. You know, I wanna, yeah. I want this. Seen to develop. Um, this is really really cool. Now I to listen to Radiohead. It, it, it's funny
1: because I, you know, like I got into this song because of the the other uh, lyric that really gets me is uh, "Ice Age coming," you know. But I didn't include that. It's, it's kind of funny how it. I just it, it it my relationship with it has changed so much mm-hmm. in such a short span of time. So
0: awesome. All right, so we're down to your final one. My final one, and this uh, this is a lot, so just kind of a yeah, warning. Yeah, I, I I feel like you should wrap this. Uh... Uh, I'm not going to because I of of my skin tone, frankly. Uh, and actually, I edited this out. I, I this is the only one where I took out lyrics. Um, I didn't yeah. just you know like do ellipses to kind of take out different stances. I took out lyrics from the words because i don't really want to say the n-word if i'm being honest Um, yeah no i i I understand (laughs) suicidal thoughts by notorious big off of his debut ready to die um for me this was the most important hip-hop song i'd say this is the most important hip-hop song i've ever heard because it's a very sparse beat and it is so stylistically Well, I guess thematically it makes sense, you know, the whole Ready to Die and then his next album is Life After Death, like, that makes sense because at the end of the song, he he shoots himself, you know, so it kind of fits in in that sense with how Mm. his albums progress. But in terms of, like, the braggadocio and, like, the tough guy gangster stuff that came before, so for this this to come on where he's, you know, basically the whole concept that he calls uh, P. Diddy – or puffed, you know Sean whatever his name is now yeah Sean Combs and, yeah Sean Combs and is telling him all this like really dark stuff about like his psych and Sean is like no dude like talk no like we're not going to do this and at the end he kills himself it's like yo big yo big and then he you know the album ends but the beat is really sparse it's like a creepy very minimal beat and this is the first it stopped me in my tracks when i heard it because i was this is when i first heard it uh, first of all i was i was way too young uh, second <laughs> of all, it was, like, it was like middle school early high school which i feel like just how heavy this is but it forced me for the first time to listen to a hip-hop song exclusively because of the lyrics because mm-hmm. before that i only listened to hip-hop that i liked the beat for i listened to different singles and whatnot it, this made me like stop my tracks and just focus on the lyrics and it was the first time I analyzed hip hop specifically because of the lyrics, and that you know obviously changed the way I consume hip hop moving forward. Uh, and obviously, the lyrics themselves—it's just so honest, and it's so you know a lot of these these rappers you know rappers have done you know you know kind of shady things. They had you I'm, know, ru- I'm rough. Looking up- at some of these lyrics, so oh my <laughs> yeah, god! Yeah, looking at the you know, rough upbringing and whatnot. So I think that yeah when he's talk, you know talks about the things he's done, so I, I don't know if I'll read the whole thing because it's, it's it's pretty long I didn't know what to cut out because I just think it's no, very dude, 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 just
1: read telling. the whole thing
0: we're, we're, we're fine but uh, mm-hmm. you know I, I edit out here and there but when I yeah. die fuck it I want to go to hell because I'm a piece of shit it ain't hard to fucking tell don't make sense going to heaven with the goody goodies dressed in white I like black Tims and black hoodies hanging with the goody goodies lounging in paradise fuck that shit I want to tote guns and shoot dice all my life I've been considered as the worst lying to my mother even stealing out of her purse Crying after crying from drugs to extortion. I know my mother wished she got a fucking abortion. I wonder if I die, would tears come to her eyes? Forgive me for my disrespect, forgive me for my lies. I swear to God, I want to just slip my wrist and end this bullshit. Throw the magnum to my head, threaten to pull shit and squeeze until the bed's completely red. I'm glad I'm dead, a worthless fucking boot ahead. The stress is building up. I can't, I can't believe suicides on my fucking mind. I want to leave. I swear to God, I feel like death is fucking calling me. But nah, you wouldn't understand. Uh, so, you Hold know what? With- Holy shit within there uh something that was that biggie did really really well is kind of uh, internal rhyme schemes mm. he 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 you know would use for example like Best glad booty. i'm dead yeah, worthless yeah. fucking boot ahead yeah red yeah. dead booty exactly um something that he was really really good at that he uh helped along with the uh, rappers like rakim uh really popularized the idea that you didn't just have to do like the you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the the run DMC, um, tripod quest. Yeah, the Soul type stuff. Like yeah. you could kind of be more complex with how you're rhyming. But I think just for a rapper to be this honest and to be this harsh against themselves, especially at a time when the whole idea of the '90s rap games was to be competitive with other rappers and be tough and kind of you know up persona. Exactly, be braggadocious. Exactly. For him to be this honest and be like, man, I've done some fucked up shit, and I he kind of hate myself for it. Was kind of crazy. Uh, it just it's it's a very unlike uh, like most of what you'll hear from '90s hip hop. Uh, obviously, rappers talking about their emotions and stuff has really melted away and become more common. Not not that common, but common enough that you'll you'll hear rappers talk about it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just I think not only just how it affected me, how I view hip hop, but also just the quality of the lyrics themselves and the fact that he's just it's super blunt and super honest, but also still. In line with the quality of hip hop that he presented, uh, just a huge fan.
1: Yeah, there is, there are some lines here. That, <laughs> just, they, that final stanza, just and squeeze until the bed's completely red. Like like that. Like, and then just the following lines, uh, just holy shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it he really didn't hold back. Yeah, uh, and then it ends. Uh, yeah, I'm sick of people lying. Sick of people talking. You know matter and then oh, I forget how it leads into it but then he's like matter of fact I'm sick of talking and then he it's a, like a gunshot sound Ooh. Um, so it's just it's really great and again I think it's it's jarring it's the last song of the album and like after you know I think one of the the albums that, or one of the songs that closes out the album or is towards the end is Big Papa um, which is obviously like a kind of clubby track about him being like you know the you know hot shit in the club so for like this song to come relatively close after a song like that is it, it it's stark to say the least it's quite mm. quite a dichotomy
1: yeah oh yeah definitely I, I i really need to listen to ready to die again because i i don't i do not remember listening to this this track so
0: um yeah wow I, I think it's one of my all-time favorite hip-hop albums there's some just absolutely phenomenal tracks on that um, yeah i mean isn't machine gun funk on that Machine Gun Funk is on that, which is great. Uh, Give Me yeah. the Loot is one of my all-time favorite hip hop songs. Uh, it's just it's so, uh, and, uh, frankly, the the content on Give Me the Loot is probably it's a good foil for this song. It kind of mm. tells you some of the shitty stuff he does in that song. You're like, okay, I kind of get why he hates it because he's you know he paints himself as a pretty bad person on the album, which is not unique for hip-hop, but, like, he really does paint himself as a pretty shitty dude. Yeah. Um, so... It, it's funny you bring up hip-hop because, like, I I was
1: almost going to put uh, Inspected Dex verse from Cream on this. Oh, nice. That's a great, yeah. great verse. I, I love that verse. Um, But, uh, just to finish this off, I have one single line from uh, the song C'est La Vie by Protest the Hero, and it's, uh, the little things that kill you make you glad to be alive. Um... Uh, this, I, I, this was actually the, f- I think this, this was the first Protest the Hero song I ever listened to. Um, and it was, I, I like, you can't really hear a lot of Rody Walker's lyrics in, like, like well, dude, just his delivery is very fast. So you, you, you don't always hear, uh, all of them in their full impact. But it was, I always heard this, like, this single line. And th- this was just, like, this is something that's just stuck with me for a long time. It's just, like, as someone who's had, you know, just depression for basically my entire life, you know, it, it's, it was just something that, that made me sit back and be like, huh. And it's, you know, it's just kind of feeds into sort of my whole life philosophy of just like this idea of opposites sort of, you know, uh, complimenting each other instead of, you know, uh, instead of just fighting each other, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sort of. Yeah, like just it's something you don't think of that like it's like um basically so like like my my um my yearbook quote uh, for high school for senior year was uh was from the movie Vanilla Sky mm-hmm. um and it was I uh, like this it, trust me the sweet isn't as sweet without the sour and trust yeah. me I know the sour yeah so like and i think that this kind of says the same thing that it's just like it's you know the bad things in life are bad but it's the good that you know it's 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 what helps make the good things that much good like that, that much better in uh-huh. a way. um and i just think that that's just such a great way to look at life in a way and so just thinking oh this is bullshit let's let's be done you know i, I mean it's it, it, it's it's not, it's not easy to to think like this uh-huh. uh but you know, it's, I think it's something we're striving for. So,
0: no, that, that that's a great lyric, and I totally agree uh, yeah. with the the sentiment as well. And that's a really, um, I could totally. That that's a good way to uh, word it for a metal song. Like, I feel like that yeah. that's just a. Uh, well, the, the
1: the whole song is is about uh, like suicide, basically. It's or it's about like these various characters sort of committing suicide in these different ways. Mm-hmm. uh it, it's it's a really intense song they you know you wouldn't when you listen to it, you, you wouldn't think so but like it, it's it gets it gets there it's 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 an interesting song um yeah it, it's yeah i i think it was written by the bassist who i think is no longer even in the band so it's you know kind of shame but you know still great great little line something i always think yeah. about so and it was actually probably the first Lyric that I knew was going to be on here, so
0: yeah, nice, good, good all right. picks all around. This is a fun yeah, segment. Man. Yeah, th- this is
1: really interesting. I, I it, we'll definitely do this again at some point. So, uh, but for right now, let's move on to more musical types of things. Uh, let's talk about albums of the week. So, Scoots,
0: you got me an album of the week. Mine is uh, super easy. I reviewed this for Heavy Blog um, on oh, Friday, okay. and yeah. it is one of my uh, I would say my first, like, key uh, listen for the... Like, I totally anticipate this being my end-of-year end of list. Uh, my first album that I've, I've listened to... You know, there's plenty... I've listened to, I think, about, like, 45 albums so far. Like, a lot of demos. Already this year? Yeah, but to be fair, there's a lot Jesus of... Uh, Christ, like Scott. What's wrong de- with you? <laughs> like, a lot of, de- like, th- you know, three-song death metal demos and EPs. So, yeah, well, I'm at work, you know, I just find stuff to listen to. Uh... But this this is the first album where I'm like, yep, like and, you know, that I listened to I'm like okay, this is cool, but I probably won't revisit it. This album I listened to a ton, reviewed it really positively. Uh, Thy Catafalque, I think. Yep, I have no idea. But uh Nave naive, naive. N a i v. Yeah. Um, avant garde metal legends. They've been around for a really long time and uh, kind of slowly leaning into their music, listening to a few of their more recent albums, and what I love most about this is a lot of avant-garde metal bands are, are really obsessed with being just as weird as possible, and without like, you know, not that you have to have like a super structured song, to, to be to be good, like structured doesn't equal good, but weird to the point where like it's kind of just noise and nonsense, mm-hmm. and a little bit avant-garde to the point where like you're just too self-serious, I feel like this was weird. Had like a lot of genre splicing and combinations and whatnot. It was just really, really fucking fun. It's just a fun album. Like so many of the songs are just really enjoyable. Like borderline danceable. There's you know elements of goth rock and metal and you know prog metal, black metal, folk music, um, some weird like jazzy segments. Like there's one song in particular. Uh, I'm I'm gonna butcher the name. It's in Hungary or uh, whatever language they speak in Hungary. I guess Hungarian. I don't yeah. know. Um, you know that seems like a little too easy. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna butcher the name. But um, it just it had this part where like it goes from like this kind of gothy, post-punky intro to like this funky bassline and this like danceable saxophone, and like it's weird on its own. But the fact it works is even stranger. And I just—it's stuff like that happens on the whole album. It just is such a great, fun listen that still has all the weirdness you want from avant-garde metal, and I, I just love it. One of my favorite albums of the year. So, you know, in this young year, we have yeah one of my early early favorites.
1: Yeah, I I, I mean, this was an album I was I'm really psyched to listen to because I, it's not coming out until this Friday, I think, right?
0: Yeah, um, I think it's coming out on the twenty fourth. Oh, okay, so let, ne- let next see. week? Yeah, the twenty fourth. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's
1: funny, I I actually, I remember I got into them with their album Sigur, that came out in 2015, uh, I really, I loved the album cover for that, it was like, it looked like a, like a rubbing, um, from like, you know, from like a gravestone almost, um, yeah, so I, you know, I've always kept an eye out for them, but I'm really, I actually read your review this week, so... Um, and good job as always, Scott. So thank you. Appreciate yeah, I, that. I, I know you need that for your confidence. So yeah, I was—I
0: <laughs> I didn't bring this up just to get praise, but I do appreciate it.
1: <laughs> we, we know the truth. Uh, uh, so yeah, no, I'm—I'm I'm really psyched to listen to this. Uh, you know, I'm really glad that it
0: resonated with you this much because it just makes me all the more psyched to really just sit down with it. So yeah, um, kicking myself for not listening to them sooner, but like uh, you know, I'll listen to this and they're I think Geometria. Yeah. And then the album, the album you mentioned, one of the more recent ones, and you'll know, three Meta. for three, yeah, three for three. So, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah I I really need to listen to uh, Geometry again, probably, probably Meta too. Uh, I really haven't listened to, like, I think I listened to Sigur like once. Uh, I, I you know I, I should just like, just blind purchase one of them just for the hell of it. Yeah, at some point. Um, well, so my album of the week, I was trying to figure out what to even choose because. There's a lot of interesting stuff I've been day- like I finally listened to Followed Leader the uh, Eric B and Rakim album. Oh, it's a was, great album. It was fucking great. I I still I think I I think I still like Paid in Full a little more, but um, but I had an album on t- I had an album on today while I was walking and uh, I think that is it and it is uh, the first Nine Inch Nails album Pretty Hate Machine, um, I. You know, I, I, I've i been, like, really interested in uh, EBM lately, uh-huh. you know, like um, front, line, uh, front 242 and, like, that type of thing. Like, I I, I bought Ministry's uh, album Twitch uh, a couple uh-huh. weeks ago uh, because that was supposedly, like, a really early, like, Ministry album, which was, like, they, they were really, like, into, like, EBM before they got into, like, I don't know, industrial metal, I guess. is I, I, I guess that's supposed to be categorized uh minister has but um and i i think you know nine inch nails like trent reznor here takes uh i think a lot of that ebm and sort of combines it into his like he sort of filters it through his own like just darkness i guess Uh and he comes out with something that is really enjoyable like you know it's a lot of it's just so super dancey and just like even when it's not like immediately dancey it's really groovy Uh uh-huh like uh i'm I'm gonna have to look this up now because um there's there's this there's this one song on it that i always can't wait i I think um it could be the only time yeah it it has it has the uh the lyric is like um uh like the devil wants to fuck me in the back of his car or something like that (laughs) uh but he the the baseline <laughs> in it is really cool. Like it's just really like just super catchy. Um, oh. And you know, so I I just like how he's combining all these things together. Um, you know, and then obviously you you have like you know some some national staples in this. Like you know had like a whole sin. Uh-huh. Um, I a terrible lies is, is one of my favorite tracks. Um, of here that I, I don't think gets enough love. But um, yeah, so fantastic little album and uh, I'm very excited to see what Nine Inch Nails has in store for this year so yeah
0: nice I mean I guess I never um, I guess if we said e- EBM you know early EBM pioneers I wouldn't have um, come up with Nine Inch Nails and, and I, me well, saying I, I,
1: I don't think that they're an early pioneer so well I, I, I'm just, just I,
0: saying like i I. I've wouldn't think that but i'm kind of thinking in having said that now i can totally see why bands would take influence from them that would go on to like i can totally see how their sound even if they you know weren't actively trying to do it or they weren't one of the 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 main bands that would do that style i i I can absolutely see overlap or roots laid yeah i
1: i i sort of think about of it like um it's almost like what Swans is to the no-wave scene. Like, sure, you already yeah. had a lot of these no-wave bands, parallel. you know, Theoretical Girls, James Chan, <laughs> Teenage Jesus and the Jerks, you know, and they'd already sort of gone through uh, sort of the peak of their career by the time Swans had really started forming. Yep. But you'd still consider them like a no-wave band. Uh-huh. So, uh, it, it, I mean, in a sense. So, uh, you know, but, but I think Pretty Hate Machine does a lot more, like, industrial rock, I think. oh yeah than, absolutely you know a, any ebm album so uh but yeah just shout out shout out to nice nails so and right,
0: yeah, uh my uh, my first concert
1: yeah oh yeah i forgot about that i actually i because i i had a uh, survivalism on today i was i think i was thinking about that I because
0: survivalism. The, boom, that's boom, the one that boom, boom, has boom,
1: all boom, the videos boom. right Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you remember
0: that story I told you,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, Where you're at the concert and they were playing that, and I think your dad made you, like, cover your eyes
0: or something? No, well, okay, so what happened, so in the music video on TV, there's a lot of frames that say, you know, black, or, you know, like, I forget what it says. It it's c-
1: censored censored yeah, for, censored for, for your
0: safety or something. Okay, but yeah. yeah. And in, in a concert, uh they're not censored. And apparently they have I didn't know this cuz I, I don't know if you if you share the same opinion. When I go to a concert, I watch the band. You know, yeah. that's just that's just a me thing. And apparently they <laughs> had um they had some explicit images on the screen. And my dad like kept poking me and like telling me to like I couldn't understand what he... I think he said, cover my eyes. I'm like, why? Like, I'm trying to watch this. And afterward, he was like, I didn't appreciate that you didn't cover your... I'm like, but, like, why? And he was like, like, you know, I just I didn't want you to see what was on the screen. I'm like, but I wasn't looking at the screen. I was looking at the band. He was, he was like, oh, well, you really weren't looking at the screen. Like, no. <laughs> like, I was there to see the band. You paid for us to go see the band. Like, I don't... Because I, I, my, my cousin came out to me and was like, yeah, wasn't that awesome on the screen? I'm like, I guess I'm the only one who's, like, not a pervert. <laughs> like, I don't, I literally, like, I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to enjoy some, some sweet industrial rock, but whatever. Yeah.
1: I, 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 I get you. I, I think, you know, I, I tend to look at the screen because my eyesight is pretty bad. So, yeah, I, I look at what I can actually, like, make out. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, yeah. All right. So. All right. That has been our episode for today. We're going super long, uh, because that's just how we do it and um yeah yeah. so we'll talk to you guys next week thank you for listening listening and bye-bye
0: Bye.
1: thanks for listening guys and uh if you're interested uh you know if you want to hear more just you know listen to us on uh iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, We're on all of it. Uh, If you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you.
0: And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about, or questions, anything like that, uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, Uh, we're at at Podcast
1: on Twitter. And our email, I think, is Podcast at gmail.com.
0: And, uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.